2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the August 10th, 2018 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a road of his new show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week, brought to you by the FFPC. Uh, As you can tell, I'm Hassan Rahim, and you can follow me on Twitter at HRR5010, and my co-host is Blair Andrews, who you can follow on Twitter at AmITheRealBlair. Blair Uh, Blair is on vacation, so I hope he's having a great time, and I'm supremely excited uh, because we have a chance to have on a very, very intelligent guest. Uh, Joining us on the show is Ron Yerko. Ron is a PhD student in the Department of Statistics and Data Science at Carnegie Mellon University. Ron is one of the creators of the NFL War Metric, a metric that helps isolate the contributions of individual offensive skill players. Additionally, Ron developed NFL Scrap R, a package that R users can utilize to analyze play-by-play and game-level data from the NFL API. You can follow him on Twitter at stat underscore Ron. Ron, thank you for joining us. How's it going?
3: Good. Thanks for having me, Son. The, um... Currently in Rochester for the Rochester Institute Sports Analytics Conference tomorrow, where I'll actually be giving a talk all about NFL war. So excited for that.
2: So that's actually pretty cool. Let's talk a little bit about the metric, uh, kind of how you came up with it, uh, you know, and what its applications are, and uh, some really cool findings uh, that you've uh, come across.
3: Yeah, so the whole concept started with. We had these discussions, Sam Ventura and me, uh, Max Horowitz, like going through, okay, what would we do? How do we actually arrive at wins above replacement for football? You know, it's there's wins above replacement baseball that's very popular. And we were trying to think, well, okay, first thing we need to do, right, is we need to measure the value of plays. So what we ended up doing was we had our, our form of modeling for both of these approaches where for expected points, we predict, given the, the current situation of, okay, the field position down yards ago. Uh, we also account for the time remaining. We get probabilities for each of the possible scoring, next scoring events that could occur for a drive, for within the half. All right, so th- this could be uh, the, the, your opponent scores a touchdown, you score a touchdown, they get a field goal, you get a field goal. So you get probabilities for each of these things. You multiply it by the, uh, the point values. Bam, you get your expected points. Then using that, we also come up with our win probability where we take in our expected points to get an expected score differential, right? Given the score differential, add the current, uh, expected points. And then we have this, uh, ratio of your expected score differential and the time remaining, as well as accounting for timeouts and whatnot to then get, you know, our win probability for every single play. And so we then take, you know, we have these two approaches to measure you know, what what's the likelihood for these things and we can then just take differences to get our expected points added or win probability added. So NFL Scraper, this package, that, it's an R package and it's getting data from nfl.com going back to 2009. And you know NFL API going back to 2009, it provides the air yards, provides the yards after contact. So for passing plays, probably. I think we're the only ones that actually do this. I don't think, like, fire has this or anything, is we're doing the hypothetical what's the air EPA, what's the yak EPA, right? We're, we're actually dividing up passing in terms of the air component of points added or pro- win probability added as well as for the yards after catch, right? Because then, then we're saying, okay, we can actually see which quarterbacks are just doing those dump-off paths and – all those dump passes, and then the actual receivers are really adding all the value, right? Instead of only looking at it from the yards point of view, you know, we can count for the, the, the first down conversions with the, the expected points added approach. We, we decided to then take this separation of, okay, for passing and rushing plays, we're going to model them separately. Where for passing plays, I'm going to have two models. These two models are for the two different types of play values we're looking at the yards after catch, EPA or WPA and as well as the air EPA or air WPA. And then what we do is, so for completions, we take then either the yards after catch value or the air value. And then in completions, we just take the raw values. So for every individual quarterback and then every individual receiver, we're getting their effect added on average through the air or effect added uh, after the catch on average. And so we're we're trying we're isolating because we're taking this regression approach. This it's a hierarchical model, or they're also called multi-level models, where they're properly dealing with the fact that in sports, right, it's just repeated measurements. Sometimes I have been I have uh, Ben Roethlisberger throwing to Antonio Brown against the Browns. Other times. Ben is throwing to Juju Smith-Schuster against the Bengals? Maybe he threw to Juju against the Browns, right? We repeatedly see like how Ben's doing or how Juju Smith-Schuster's doing, and we we can then this this is how we're properly accounting for the fact, and then we can get on average what's his value. And so that so for passing we have these two models, and I get them this value. We call it IPA. Individual points added above individual points added, or uh, if the response is when probability added, it's uh, individual probability added. And you know, we decide to name it after a beer, of course. And what we get then is two IPAs for passing IPA air, IPA yak. And then we also have rushing models where we have again two rushing models just because we separate quarterbacks from non-QBs, since for quarterbacks, we account for sacks, scrambles, and I don't actually know necessarily all the time. Like Some people have told me, oh, no, you know if it's a scramble or a design run in the play-by-play. Play, I'm still skeptical of that. So we, we, we just have QB rushes separately. They account for sacks as well. And then the non-QB rushes, the ones we know they are specifically designed run plays, we have, okay, who's running the ball, and then I have the run gap measure. And so what we came up with was proxies for the O-line, where it's, okay, this is the Pittsburgh. So we know the run location, whether it's left, middle, right. And then I know the gap, whether it's guard, tackle, and, and in the middle, right? So then I can have these I have these seven run gaps for each team that serve sort of as like a proxy for offensive line measurement in a way, whether it be the right guard, ta- right, guard right tackle, or if it was the tight end, you know, center, so we, we get actual good, we, we actually have some sort of proxy then for an O-line performance, which I haven't really seen in the, in the public space really, like an objective O-line performance. It's not for passing. It's just for rushing though. So then from this, we get IPA rush values. So every single offensive skill position player, we're getting three IPA values as we call them where these represent – this is our our sort of efficiency measure. Like, on average, this is what this player contributes to this area of the game. And then to arrive at our war, all we do is we take then this estimate on average of their contribution, multiply it by their number of attempts. So for passing plays, you have number of passing attempts for receiver, number of targets – uh, for running, you know, for rushers, their number of rush attempts. And then, that, so then that gives us their either probability added or points added above average. And then, because the idea was, okay, we want war. So the reason you want war relative to the replacement level in terms of, you know, real football front off is to distinguish when I'm talking about versus fantasy, right, where this is, you know, replacement level is just someone who's readily available. He can just grab off whether it be your practice squad, ideally, right? But average quarterbacks and average running back, they're probably better than 20, 30% people of the league. So, for a front office point of view, you want to know how much better they are versus that readily available player. And then we convert to wins where if they, if we take the EPA model approach, it's, um we just have like a regression and we can just, to get a points per win value for each season, just divide by that, and bam, we have wins above replacement. Or if we're using our win or win probability added value, we can then just take this uh, the sum of their individual probability of replacement to then get their wins above replacement already. So then that's how we arrive at the war for every offensive skill position player. And we actually then have three components to it, where just like I said, they have three IPA values. They have three war values. And because of the fact, you know, I'm a statistician, I care about uncertainty, which people don't talk about in the common sports about some stats but football is is unique in the fact there's only 16 games. It's very small sample size. So really, I I should have I should express how much how uncertain I am in everybody's performance. So what we do is we resample the drives of teams, and we do this a thousand times. So it makes sense to do the drive level because that accounts for the structure of like, you know. Um, a whole flow of play calling rather than us resampling all the plays by a team and potentially only grabbing plays that are on like, you know, certain field position or certain down drives represents like a natural simulation of, uh, of games and what not. And so with that, then we actually have, you know, distributions, whole measure, you know, whole value, you know, these of our, of, of our player values to give us a sense of how much better everybody was or like, if you know, if, to account for, you know, the differences that could potentially happen throughout the course of a season. And so it's been pretty exciting work we've done. It's probably, I, I think it's maxed out and what we can do with the data that's available. But, um, so that, that's, I guess, is like the walkthrough of what this is in terms of what, what our, what our metrics are of what, how we're getting them to.
2: You want to get into the news? Yeah. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reports Washington's second-round running back Darius Geis suffered a torn ACL in Thursday's preseason game against the Patriots. Ron, it's a huge blow that Washington's second-round draft pick will miss the entirety of the 2018 season. Uh, do you expect that they're going to turn the rock over back to Samaje P. Ryan to start the season? And uh, what are your thoughts on Chris Thompson? And are there any other guys in this offense who you think would benefit uh, with Geist being out?
3: Uh, do we really think... Losing a running back in any regard is a huge blow in terms of running back value, right? Like, do we really think that? Or, well, I know from a fantasy point of view, right, like, he was getting pretty popular uh, just because of the usage. And the Redskins, as we know, are a bad football team with bad management. So they believe in investing in running backs um, heavily and whatnot. Like, I mean, historically, we know the Redskins aren't good. Um, So I I, I mean, from, I guess what I'm saying is, I don't know if it's really a a blow to the team and like, they probably shouldn't spend money on a running back from what we've seen, right? With running back value and uh, like with our modeling, we're getting, we're getting the same ideas that everybody's getting in like that do football analytics that running backs, you know, their, their value is limited. It's, it's a passing game quarterbacks provide so much more value wide receivers provide so much more value than running backs in terms of those other guys like i mean i don't personally know probably enough to say i would just i would just hope they don't spend the money on if i was a redskins fan i would just hope that they don't go out and spend the money on getting another running back
2: yeah i actually agree with you on this one uh samajic Piran, when he was given a significant chunk of opportunity last year you know down the stretch when both rob kelly and chris thompson were out he you know he performed fine he uh had a couple of games where he finished as an rb1 and then he posted you know rb3 or better numbers down the over the last four weeks of the season so my question to you ron on this one is do you think they should really be turning the ball more so back into alex smith's hands uh over running it uh you know making sure that they're passing a, a lot more in order to be more aggressive now that they've lost a guy who they've invested a significant amount of draft capital and uh, not spending the value, you know, not spending money on actually a, a free agent running back and just rolling out some form of a running back by committee with Chris Thompson, Samaji Ryan and Rob Kelly?
3: Yeah, I mean, wouldn't that be the great irony of this, right, is they actually do better as a team because they decide, oh, you know, we don't have our stud running back that we can't run into the ground, and so we're going to let Alex Smith throw the football, right? <laughs> like, Maybe, maybe this is going to help the Redskins as a team. Because I mean, Alex Smith, at least from like what we've done, and I think he's in agreement with others, is, is a pretty good quarterback, right? Um, he's not bad. Yeah, you know, I, I would, I would think there's no reason to to not just throw the football more. I mean, this uh, it is kind of funny. Like if they were going to. Really, you know, rely on this running back. They invested a lot, and you know, he's gonna be he's, he's gonna be the star of their team. And then, okay, he gets hurt. So, oh, what's our backup plan? Oh, we're gonna throw the ball more. Okay.
2: <laughs> so, knock on wood that Jordan Reed's actually okay. Sounds like uh, we can hope we can hope Jamison Crowder, Paul Richardson, and uh, Josh Dawson should get minor bumps uh, in target share. So, knock on wood, we got that one going. All right, this one's actually going to be a good one. Both Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield were impressive in their first preseason game against the Giants. Taylor was 5-for-5 uh, five five passing for uh, 99 yards and a touchdown. Mayfield completed uh, 11 of 20 passes for 212 yards and two touchdowns. Ron, uh, what are your expectations for the Brown this season, and uh, how soon is it do you think that the Browns should be looking to actually break the glass on Mayfield and bring him in over Tyrod?
3: So, so, so my disclaimer here is I am a yinzer. So I am probably one of few, if not the only people on the side of football analytics that has still strongly rooted against the Browns in the last so many years. And I take pleasure in their struggles. So the fact that they drafted Mayfield number one overall was disheartening for me, because it was like, okay, they actually made a good decision. (laughs) But... So going back to Mayfield versus, as I, I like to just say, Ty God Taylor. I'm just going to stick with Ty God because I don't think he's appreciated enough. still. So, and like what we've done, I, I know we're limited in publicly available data, but yet he still comes up as one of the top QBs. In the years he was the starting quarterback, he, he ranks so well in terms of our war stats. From his rushing value, and then each of these years we've seen, and like I'm gonna show this in my talk tomorrow, because I'm near Buffalo, the fact that his passing value through the air has just gradually increased in each of the three seasons. So by all means, like he's good. There's there's no. If anyone thinks that you know Tyrod Taylor is bad, then they, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say to them. But
2: that would be the Bills Mafia
3: yeah like he yeah uh, like yeah when he got benched for the the uh, peterman your former pick quarterback to come in and throw what, what do you throw four interceptions in one five. half he threw five yeah yeah and then it nearly killed any playoff hopes that they had because they actually made the playoffs
2: right yeah they, they, were the to, they were trying to kill themselves last year i mean they were the team the bills were the team that uh Exceeded. There were three wins over expectation in my 2017 Pythagorean model, and they're expected to regress supremely hard this year. And I would,
3: I mean, he was throwing to nobody, right? Like the Bills' were rece- Like I, I remember watching the game against Jacksonville, saying, "Okay, Jacksonville right? top defense, but just seeing the drop passes. I mean, I can't, I can't name you any of the Bills' receivers right now." Um,
2: LeSean McCoy and Charles Clay, and the corpse of Kelvin Benjamin.
3: Yeah, yeah, Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we just we just saw the the Cam Newton video right the other day of yes. uh, him and Calvin Benjamin, and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, so from the the Baker Mayfield point of view, right? I absolutely think Baker Mayfield is going to be a very good quarterback in the NFL. But what we know right now is rookies don't get enough practice. So if the Browns actually want to win, I mean, I don't I don't see why you just don't let Ty God Taylor, just keep going until he gets hurt or whatnot, right? Like, he's good. Just let him play. You got to let him make field practice. Rookie quarterbacks are going to struggle. Like, think of Jared Goff. His first year was – I mean, there's the Jeff Fisher effect. Well, no, Jeff – was Jeff Fisher the, the coach still, right? Yep. Goff's first year? Yeah, there's the Fisher effect. So we can account for that. But at the same time, he was a rookie quarterback with limited practice. And then in the second year, of course, Fisher's gone. But we then have, you know, he substantially has more time practice and whatnot. Right? He's he's just more grown as a quarterback, and so he's better in that second year anyway. Like I, I mean, Mayfield, you know, he's a rookie. There's no rush to start him this year, given the fact also they have a very good quarterback with Tyrod Taylor. So like, I mean, Taylor had a good first preseason game. Mayfield, you know. He had those highlight reels as well. <laughs> I mean, the, the Browns, right, there's no reason they should have gone 0-16 last year, right? I mean, everything I've seen, you know, with the Pythagoras, like, what, what did you have for, like, the, for the Browns? Like, how much did they underachieve?
2: By two and a half, a little over two and a half wins. I,
3: yeah, should... I mean, 18 go, going under, 0-16 is underachieving, Right. Like there's no reason they should have gone to 16. So, but still Hugh Jackson remains for whatever reason. But I mean, it could probably be a 500 team, right? Like I don't, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be.
2: Yeah. And I, and I agree with you. Uh, I had another question because I know that you mentioned that uh, NFL war does take into account the individual effects of wide receivers There's been rumors about Dez Bryant, who's scheduled to visit Cleveland. How did he rank in that metric? And uh, does this indicate? Do you think that uh, Dez might be close to being cooked, or is he has he still got some gas left in the tank and will be a viable member of that receiver core?
3: Yeah. So Dez last year was negative. Dez was really bad last year. A few years ago, it sure doesn't look good. (laughs) Like I mean, he. He was he was great a few years ago, right? But I mean, well he's had the injury problems too. I, I mean I, I don't see I mean, no reason to think that Des Bryant would ever be a wide receiver one anymore, right? Like he's he's not. And like with what at least we're seeing if the guy is going into negative territory. So I mean this, this is one this is a limitation with like our approach, right? right? Is we had DeAndre Hopkins as very bad the year of the brocketing right with Brock Osweiler in at quarterback. And it's because I can't say it, that the ball was nowhere near DeAndre Hopkins when it's an incomplete pass. So it wasn't DeAndre Hopkins fault. It was Brock Osweiler happened. But I mean, Des Bryant was playing with Dak. And I mean, Dak obviously didn't have a great year last year, but still he's not bad and Dez was just I mean, he, he's getting old, right? You know, in terms In terms of wide receiver age, I mean, not everyone's Larry Fitzgerald. Um, So, yeah, I mean, like, at least from we've seen, is he really going to provide anything? Probably not really. Um, Do they need him? I don't know.
2: Yeah, and I'm kind of with you. Uh, I think the market itself, uh, the fact that Dez remains unsigned is a pretty big red flag for me. Uh, The fact that, you know, the New England Patriots, uh, they need wide receiver help, but Julian Edelman suspended – and they, but they, and they brought in Eric Decker ahead of Dez Bryant. You know, you'd have thought that they would have at least worked him out or something. And there's a bunch of teams out there that really need wide receiver help. Uh, I like the market itself is sending a fairly strong signal that either Dez is looking for one uh, a contract that's where he's priced himself out of the market, or on the other hand, where he's not worth really spending roster space on and that i think is uh, is where we're at here all right before we get into no shit shit no uh you get a listeners only 30 percent discount to RotoViz nfl pass to the nfl podcast homepage rotavis.com slash podcast your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our nfl content and it helps support the pod also, you can support the pod by subscribing to and rating the Rotoviz Review channel on iTunes. Do that and you'll be eligible to win a free thirty-five dollar entry to a league at the FFBC. Go to iTunes, leave a review with your name on it, and then listen to future episodes to hear if you're the winner. Also, if you're interested in being in FFBC League with some of the Rotoviz writers and podcasters, email us at Rotovizradio at gmail.com and we will get that set up. Let's get into no shit shit no. Patriots running back Jeremy Hill finished with 11 carries for 51 yards and a touchdown in Thursday's preseason opener versus the Redskins. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like the Patriots
3: running back. You know, okay. Belichick decided to run him 11 times in preseason game one. Got a touchdown. It, who knows? You know what? They drafted Tony Michelle. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, who who knows? It's, it's a Belichick running back. So, I, like, last year, they had signed Mike Gillisley, Rex Burkhead, top two running backs by our, our like our model, our expected points model, in terms of success rate. And then, what, Gillisley, three touchdowns game one, disappeared, came back, whatever, Rex Burkhead, he then was the guy responsible for Tom Brady's, you know, cut, you know, thumb. Th- 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 um, or whatever, right? Like it's, I I, you, I don't know with Patriots running backs and Belichick, but uh, well, he's smarter than everybody else in the NFL except Doug Peterson now, I guess. But you know, it's a it's a preseason game with a, a Patriots running back.
2: Does it matter? Yeah, uh, I can't tell you, but but I guess he's just trying to figure out who wants to who he wants to make the fifty three. Andrew Luck completed a very nice six of nine passes for 64 yards in Thursday's preseason opener versus the Seahawks. So how much of that? So I, 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 I can't remember.
3: I think it was of, of his passes, how many of them were actually past the line? That's a scrimmage? good
2: question. No, I, I actually don't. I didn't watch the game. I mean, I guess it's good
3: that he at least threw the football forward, right? Given the fact that when he was in Europe and who knows what was going on with his shoulder... Right, whatever illegal substance that you're not allowed to take, you're not allowed to get in America. That got bumped into his shoulder, right? Like I don't, I don't know. With I guess it's just, I don't know if it's either, really. What to say to him here? Like it's just, well, he 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 did something, so I guess it's good, right? I don't think it's like, well, it's obvious, but it's, I guess okay, he's throwing a football again, so. I, I didn't watch the I, I didn't watch any of the games, so I don't I don't know actually how well he looked in it. I, I hope for Colts fans' sake that he can throw the football more than five yards, more than ten yards in the air.
2: Out of curiosity, how did uh, Luck rank in, in your models uh, pre-injury? Yeah, I mean he's fantastic. He's one of the better quarterbacks
3: in what we've had through those different years. He's one of the he places in the top ten,
2: top five in certain years.
3: Um, but then you know with the injury out, he
2: we just you know, there's no measurements. I can never forgive the Colts for ruining a good quarterback.
3: I mean, he's he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. So, I mean, for the sake of the league itself, want him to be healthy, right? Like, it's – so, I don't know. It, it, it's good that he played in a preseason game. Like, that, that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, and
2: uh, I guess we're just going to track and hope, hopefully that he's – even 80% of his former self, because uh, that offense is going to need it. It's looking pretty rough outside of T.Y. Hilton. Bills' quarterback, Josh Allen, completed 9 of 19 passes for 116 yards and a touchdown in Thursday's preseason game versus the Panthers.
3: Oh, my. Josh Allen. The, um, I saw the one highlight where he, I think he ran like 15 yards backwards. And, like, spun around, and then I can't remember if he just threw a duck or, or if he got sacked. But he's uh, – this is just another thing of, like, this – I mean, everybody knew – or everybody was saying, right, we're expecting him to be a bust. And, okay, first preseason game, 9-19, it's preseason, it really doesn't matter. But still, it, 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 he's going to probably be – in most likelihood, right, he's going to be bad. In all likelihood, we're going to see a bad quarterback – play in buffalo
2: and completed his only attempt in the texans preseason opener
3: great <laughs> like, that's that's fantastic one one he completed one on one right like oh uh,
2: i'm actually kind of excited because uh I was, i'm hoping that it means that he's on track to play week one uh, i was actually curious because uh, you were mentioning a little bit about nfl war we only saw him for such a small sample uh How did he grade out? Yeah, and he he measured
3: really good in our war measure when he was there. He was, like, when we were doing it during the season, he was one of the top QBs. Deshaun Watson was tremendous in terms of our war measurements. I'm looking at right now our air IPA and yak IPA chart, like, we come up with to see, like, how well separated, like, to see the types of QBs. So Deshaun Watson, for instance, has great air and yak IPA values, meaning he's just, he, he could throw the ball far and he's accurate. Um, he, he's in the, he's close to, you know, Tyrod Taylor in our estimates. And like in the same area as uh, Russell Wilson. And um, in terms of his, in terms of what we measure from his performance, but I, I know there's some things like a uh, pro football focus has that's saying of like uh, the types of throws he did in terms of like, players being close and i would expect also regression right of his performance to not be as great even as what he was right in terms of his numbers but um it, yeah i guess it's true i mean it's good that he's on the field and playing i i thought like all, all the reports out of the practices and what right were very positive for how he was moving um and not becoming like an rg3 kind of situation of the of a player you know getting the injury, and then just disappearing.
2: And uh, on the other side of the spectrum, uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia expects Carson Wentz to be held out of the entire preseason. Uh, I wonder if that says a lot more about his rehab, or are they just willing to take it easy, or uh, is that a Nick Foles thing?
3: Yeah, the Eagles are smart, right? If there's anything we learned the past year, okay, obviously they're great because they won the Super Bowl, but they have a lot of smart people working for them. In terms of what they're doing, you know, from a viewpoint of the analy- you know, the analysts they've hired and whatnot, and I would think that they ha- they have people working on injury analysis and you know players when they should come back, et cetera, resting time, right? And they obviously can win with Nick Foles at quarterback, and with how meaningless preseason can be. There's no reason at all I would think why Carson Wentz should be rushed into a preseason game to, to do what you know what I mean like what what would be the value of it?
2: Yeah, I agree with you, and uh, I mean again to just underscore the uselessness of preseason statistics. Uh, Pat Mahomes completed five of seven for 33 yards in the Chiefs' preseason opener.
3: Yeah, like, but I will say like at least from what I've gathered, I'm very excited about him to see actually how good he is like have you, have you seen something similar like in terms of like i know from like ver- reading various people's right like people are doing analysis of you know how strong his arm are arm is and whatnot like i'm i am very excited to see how good he actually can be
2: yeah i'm, I'm genuinely kind of He's the, probably the quarterback. I'd say that I'm the most excited for this season. He faces a ridiculously difficult schedule uh, with a very strong and his weapons are very very strong, uh, and 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 it'll be. I mean, really, it's it's good that he had a chance to sit and practice. Kind of what you mentioned earlier about Baker Mayfield uh, having some chance a chance to mature to the league. Uh, I was curious if you had a chance to again supremely small sample game 17, which is pretty much meaningless if you're out of the playoffs if you had a chance to actually see uh, what his metrics look like uh, relative to, you know, across league average or across your your sample size?
3: Yeah, I I haven't looked at it specifically. I I, I remember looking at the single-game performance, and it was really good. Um, But, yeah, it's just one game, right? The thing I will say, though, is, like, his weapons. Kareem Hunt was top five running back. According to what we had, um, uh, yeah, number three overall running back last year in terms of our war metric. Um, Like, I mean, Tyreek Hill is one of the top. Like, he's got a lot of weapons, right? And plus, I mean, there's like we had Alex Smith as a very good QB last year by our measurements. And, you know, with our data, I don't necessarily can distinguish. I don't know the play call, right? And like the quarterback because they're involved in every play, you know, their performance that we're seeing could be a result of really good coaching, potentially, right? Even though Andy Reid fails in the playoffs, he still has good teams during the regular season. So, I mean, it's a great situation for him. So I'm, I'm excited to see how well he actually is. I'm, curi- I'm curious where he falls on the spectrum of these measurements this coming year, because he has a cannon for an
2: arm. And he's uh, accurate. I mean, the guy put up just eye-popping stats over at Texas Tech, uh, and uh, part of it's a scheme, but also part of it is, look at the step down in production after Mahomes declared. It's almost like a 2,000-yard difference, and uh, and he's a sneaky good rusher. Uh, John Ross uh, hauled in one of five targets for 20 yards in the uh, Bengals' preseason opener, uh, so as... You know, curious just to get your thoughts here on uh, Ross uh, and what it means for Dalton.
3: Yeah, I get well. Well, with Dalton, here's what we know about Andy Dalton: is Andy Dalton is average, right? He he he's not great, he's not bad, he's just average. Like him and Ryan. So in terms of, I mean, fantasy, I guess he could still be valuable, right? Um, but like, what like in terms of what we've seen. Andy Dalton and then Ryan Tannehill, he was another one. Like a part of me wanted to name the like you could have named the statistic warts wins above Ryan Tannehills, which would just have been wins above average. Right? And, like Andy Dalton he's he's the exact he's he's, he's the exact same thing. So like is it going to make a difference? Nah. I mean that division, it's the Steelers division, AFC North, right? And then like you know, I'm I'm much more excited to see what, the, what happens with the Ravens than I am this fee with uh with the Bengals. I know the Bengals still find a way to blow it and whatever they do, right? You know, it's, it's just inevitable.
2: Uh, Giants' is running back Saquon Barkley rushed uh, four times for 43 yards in Thursday's preseason game versus the Browns.
3: So we had the uh, – I saw a great tweet by Eric Eager of, uh, of Pro Football Focus saying that this the, the that first rush by Saquon Barkley of 35 yards was just like um, when Adrian Peterson had some whatever good rush in a preseason game for the Vikings, thus signaling the the de- the next decade of only winning one playoff game under this superstar running back. And so, like, I actually I, gotta, I, 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 I feel bad for Saquon Barkley for the fact that he is probably going to get run into the ground with the giants, right? Or like he's going to be involved in all the passing plays. You know, it, it, they're going to just abuse that man's body to the point that, you know, Eli, who by all measurements is an awful quarterback for the last so many years by our metrics. He is terrible. There was no reason they should like there's no reason to take Barkley given the fact Eli Manning was your quarterback. You should be taking a QB. And then, you know, there's the whole value of running backs, right? Where it's only marginal what a running back can do. They're not the ones making decisions every down, you know, in terms of throwing the football or calling all – you know, he's a running back. He is not going to transform your team. But, I mean, I love it from a fantasy point of view, right? Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what's your opinion in terms of the fantasy side. Like Barkley being – Involved in everything could be great but the point time, I'm thinking the longevity of his career I think it's just going to be bad.
2: I actually have uh, yeah, I mean yeah from a fantasy perspective he's been a first rounder he stays a first rounder I think he's got like that talent that you want to slide, slide into your RB, RB1 slot and if you want a reason to be excited to watch the, the your Giants apart from just OBJ Barkley gives you that you know I mean OBJ, Evan Ingram that's a very exciting offense but Here's a question that I have for you, because you mentioned that your models also incorporate a little bit of yak and they're pretty good for for running backs. And I'm very curious if the Giants actually utilize him as an extension of the receiving game more. So I'm, I'm curious to see how he'll grade out uh, among yak if he's going to see, you know, an almost, it's not going to be Le'Veon Bell-esque uh, usage in the receiving game, but if they're willing to pepper him with a consistent high target flow particularly as uh, Eli's, uh, you know, safety valve. I'm really curious to see how he does in that yeah, in the, in your yak models.
3: Yeah, no, to, yeah, that's a great question. Thea. I'm looking at the running back uh, values right now. I mean, number one by far is Alvin Kamara we have, who, whose, whose air value was equivalent to his rushing value, basically, and also great yak. Um, and then the best of the other top running backs in terms of yak is hunt bell. We, we have Ingram up there. Uh, Gurley providing great value in terms of the yak as well. So like, no, it's a great, it, I, I am curious to see where he ends up on this, on this spectrum of like the receiving versus rushing and like how well he is in both. Cause like Kamara, right? He unbelievable last year and there's no way he's going to repeat that performance, but he did everything through the, you know, he actually, he actually could catch the ball through the air. You know, it wasn't just, you know, getting the, the, screens or the dump off passes. He actually went out for the ball. So, yeah, know I'm very curious to see what, what happens with Bar- just, I maybe I don't pity giants fans cause I'm not from New York, but like they're going to just be bad still. He's not going to save the team. But he could be great for fantasy.
2: Yeah, I'm really with you on this one. Uh you know, I'm really hoping that for Giants fans' sake that the them going all in on Eli uh pays off uh going forward now. Mike Williams said he has a big role in the red zone right now.
3: <laughs> That's a no shit. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid, right? Like, I don't know. This <laughs>
2: Touchdowns is such a random stat, right?
3: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, and like one of the things I love is the, uh, Josh Herm- Herms Meyers, um, uh, never Julio Twitter hashtag. Like you've seen that, right? Like it's well, cause never, you Julio know, Jones is, he's never in the top for touchdowns. It's, it's everybody. I don't know. Um, and like, oh, he's such a red zone target right now. Oh, whatever. He's Mike Williams. Okay, great. Uh,
2: yeah, and speaking of Julio Jones, uh, he said that red zone success is all about us being on the same page. Oh, God.
3: Yeah. <laughs> of course he did. I don't know.
2: Yeah. If, uh, if, if any of you guys uh, are listening to this and we're in the same league together, please do not draft Julio Jones because he can't score touchdowns. I will take him from you. <laughs> uh, yeah. According to NFL Networks' James Jones, uh, Raiders' offense coordinator Red, Greg Olson said Martavis Bryant is struggling with the new coach, uh, John Gruden's playbook.
3: Uh, okay, so this is actually pretty funny because this is a playbook probably from like 2002, right? Like the, the John Gruden way of playing football. And then Martavis Bryant can't keep up with that. Um, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it's just the level of disappointment he is, I think I love games of him with the Steelers and just like that, how much speed he has. And I remember he made Landry Jones look not that bad. And then just completely fell off after the suspension, you know, he had the suspension and then just, just became nothing as a, as a receiver basically. Right. You know, in terms of it, it, I've, someone like me, who you know? I'm a statistician. I'm a nerd. I could just see on when watching the game that it's like, okay, this guy is not running the right route. <laughs> like he he's not good at what he does, really. And uh, so obviously, and now he can't keep up with John Gruden's book, which, I, yeah, it's not that surprising, I guess. Even though I don't, I I can't imagine that being a very complicated playbook, given that it's probably from, you know, late '90s, early 2000s. And, and the John Gruden style of football.
2: I believe Jared Cook was recently quoted as saying that Gruden pulled out a play from the early '80s. So, uh,
3: early '80s, even better. Yeah.
2: So uh, I mean, I'm 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 sure a, by some point this team is gonna regress to where there's no where there was a, no forward pass allowed. So we're we're getting there with them. Steelers' coach Mike Tomlin expects Antonio Brown to return to practice after the first preseason game.
3: Yeah, that's a no shit. Yeah, of course he does. <laughs> I would I would think he's gonna get like, in any injury overblown. I guess about Antonio Brown, right? Um, he's gonna get the most attention. Everybody's gonna talk about him. But
2: he's the receiver with the highest active war, right?
3: Yeah, he he is our top. And in terms of the career war rankings that we have since 2009, he he's second in total war. In terms of receivers, number one being Calvin Johnson, number two being Antonio Brown. In terms of receiver war, so yeah, I mean he's absolutely the best receiver, one of the be- one of if not the best receivers in the NFL by the measures we have. And um, so I mean I'm guessing he'll be fine back and doing his Antonio Brown things, which I w- I would love with tracking data to understand. How and why Antonio Brown is as good as he is, because it's it's just amazing his ability.
2: Yeah, there's some stuff that just I mean when you watch the games, he makes these like moves that uh, I don't understand.
3: It's just from the physical traits, right? Like you, you see Julio Jones and you think, okay, this guy can be an elite receiver. And then, like I guess it's the bias, right? You see Antonio Brown, it's just amazing how good like his numbers he puts up given his size, you know, he, he's not, he's not Calvin Johnson, and yet he's putting up the numbers of Calvin Johnson.
2: I'm excited to see when you get more historical data how he shakes out amongst uh, going back to an even larger sample. Hi, his fans. Allow me a brief second to tell you about our good friends over at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. The 2018 fantasy draft season is in full swing, and the FFPC has a format to suit every diehard's interest and budget, whether it's best ball, super flex, or classic managed leagues. There are drafts Failing daily, starting at just $35. Jump into a slow or a live draft today. If you're ready for your greatest challenge, check out the FFPC main event. In its 11th season, the main event is the world's biggest event in season-long fantasy football. Come to Las Vegas for a three-day weekend of live drafts and festivities at the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino or draft online from the comfort of your home. Play for the $250,000 grand prize or over $2.2 million in total prizes and fantasy immortality. Don't miss the FFPC experience, wrote of his listeners. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com. Ron, Kirk Cousins said he's working to become a better quarterback off schedule when the pocket breaks down. Um, Cousins was quoted as saying that he has been a very good quarterback. Uh, he believes on keepers uh, and, you know, basically bootleg plays and uh, when the play breaks down outside of the pocket. Ron, is Cousins a significantly worse quarterback when he's forced to improvise, or is his middling play of last season uh, more the result of a lackluster receiver core? So
3: what we've seen is Cousins,
2: in terms of his war estimates, Cousins is a pretty good
3: quarterback. He's placing in the top 10. Like we, we see him in like 10-9 um, you know, in the top 15 in the seasons he's been in. But uh, I think the biggest thing, at least in this limitation of our data, like from what I've read, is Cousins... Performance on play action is great, and everybody performs well on play action, and that could be in large part been driving his numbers. So, honestly, I don't know enough to say. Like, well, I mean, the Vikings, right? They have great weapons that Cousins will benefit from in comparison to the um, to the Redskins, in my opinion, Uh, and presumably. I think I remember seeing something along the lines of like the style of pay calling of the, of the, of the Vikings is similar to the Redskins. Who knows? Like he's saying these things right now, but, uh, I, I don't, maybe statistics are going to come out to be exact same.
2: Chargers coach. Anthony Lynn told ESPN's Don Graziano. He wants to use Melvin Gordon more in the passing game. Uh, Ron, uh, last season, Melvin Gordon set career highs in the receiving game. He caught 58 of his 83 targets for 476 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, do you think his workload increases now that Hunter Henry is out for the season? And how do you think the Chargers can best deploy Gordon this season?
3: Yeah, so Gordon, Gordon wasn't one of the top running backs. Um, the, the thing I'll say is like Philip Rivers is very good, and like he comes out as one of the best quarterbacks uh, in the in the several years of data that we have. Um, so with Gordon, right? Gordon's I think his value as a rusher, his value as a rusher, was great, but he doesn't jump out in terms of the other metrics that we have.
2: Yeah, but uh, you know, you mentioned guys at the top uh, like uh, Le'Veon Bell and Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, uh, guys like that. Yeah, you mentioned they graded out fairly well in your in your model. Is that because of a combination of yak and just being fantastic? Uh, yak uh, or uh, is it something that they're also good at the at the air model
3: yeah a lot of rec- a lot of the runners that are performing well in terms of receiving it's because of their yak it's dr- that's what's driving running back reception success except for camaro he provided value through the air also but yeah most of the running back reception value added is from yak and gordon right like i mean if they're if he's be- going to become targeted more in receiving i would imagine the value he's going to add is from the yak as well.
2: And I'm actually kind of curious here a little bit, because uh, you mentioned that uh, we're, we're talking a little bit about Air War. Uh, how did he, how did Austin Eckler grade out in the Supreme small sample that we saw him? Cause uh, he seemed to be an, an electric talent that came on uh, fairly hot before getting hurt.
3: Cause like, a, so the one thing with Eckler is because of the fact like very small sample size, right? Like the way our, our modeling works is we're pulling guys. So if we don't have much performance of guys, then we're just going to basically get them at the average levels. So and like with Eckler, it's like, okay, we have this very small positive yak value, but we have very small negative air value and very small negative rushing value. And then versus someone like Gordon, Gordon we're, so I'm looking at Gordon right now. Gordon is negative yak, negative rushing, positive air. And we had a total WAR of Melvin Gordon last year of zero point one one seven three.
2: So a little above league average, barely above league average.
3: Well, no, no well, that's that's above replacement. I'm uh, sorry, right?
2: above replacement level.
3: Yeah, like so we, in terms of the value we have added from Melvin Gordon, it's really not that much last year. So
2: yeah, that's actually kind of interesting to know.
3: Yeah, he had negative yak war, positive rush war, negative yak war, and then slightly positive air war. So still these abysmal values because rushing, rushing in terms of magnitudes, they're going to be small. Mm-hmm. But Melvin Gordon himself just, just not that great from what we've got.
2: That's actually really interesting to know. And you're saying uh, just slightly better than, uh, than Eckler. Uh, I was curious a little bit uh, about, you You mentioned earlier that Rivers was just a, a one of the best quarterbacks uh, that you've tracked by, by your metrics uh, is how did, how does Keenan Allen stack up among all of his other receivers and uh the, I'm fairly high on Keenan Allen as a as a as a fantasy player so I was just curious uh, how Keenan Allen stacks up in terms of receiver war among other players
3: Yeah, so Keenan Allen last year in terms of total war we have him at 0.84 so that's that's pretty good yeah like, that's not that's not terrible in terms of because like the magnitude of these war values is you know, the individual player in football. it's only 16 game season, so you're getting at one or two level war. Like you're, you're doing good things. Um, so we see the fact that more of his value is provided through the air than from uh, from Miak. That's more of his value. So.
2: Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's questionable. He's very, very good when he's out there. And uh, out of curiosity, what was Hunter Henry's uh, war when uh, when healthy?
3: So last year Hunter Henry so his war last year was zero point one seven six. So his and his value was mainly just through the air. Very little yak value. Just predominantly through the like and I will say like tight ends tight ends are again like receivers, tricky from our modeling point of view. And like I think like in some of these years, like in terms of relative to replacement level, because our replacement level is defined on these roster cutoffs, and we find, like, there's just a lot of tight ends out there that are not that bad, relatively speaking. And, like, there's few that just jump out, like Gronkowski and Kelsey were just players that were just jumping out in terms of their award values of actually having, like, over one win above replacement, right? Which, football, right, over one win above replacement in the course of 16 games is pretty darn good. So, but most of these tight ends are just, so to lumped together in terms of their value, even relative to the replacement level. So, I mean, Hunter Henry's, though, is, is pretty good.
2: Yeah, and I'm still not over the fact that he's out for the season, because uh, the tight end uh, landscape, from a fantasy perspective, is a bit of a wasteland. It's just not as deep. Uh, hopefully, a, a player like Njoku can actually step up and and be the guy, especially if he's playing with Die God, So, be interesting to keep uh, keep a track on on that as we go down across the season, but that will do it for this edition of the Road of His Reports. Uh, special thanks once again to our guest Ron Yurko. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at stat underscore Ron. He's got some of the fa- best information that you want from an NFL anal- analytics perspective, and it's something that I feel has genuinely made me a sharper uh, analyst and a fantasy player. Uh, please remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio channel on iTunes. Uh, for Blair Andrews and Hassan Rahim, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz podcast homepage, rotoviz.com podcast.